0: I don't need bolo to strip down the truth.
1: Fuck the stock market. I'm investing in me. <laughs> That's not true. Mine is like just simple, but
0: yeah. no I love simple and good. And listen, this episode might not be so simple, but it's definitely gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode 218. We're recording this Monday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, also known as 10, and I'm very excited to have one of my favorite guests and people back. You know him as a just beautiful writer, gorgeous host of the <laughs> absolutely perfect podcast, Shut Up Evan, and the man that I consider to be the Doris Kearns Goodwin of Bravo, Evan Ross. Cats, how are we?
1: I'm wonderful. It's such a pleasure to be back. I love being on a podcast that I listen to. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm very like, up to speed on the goings-on of the world of the podcast. So that it's a, it's a much more fruitful experience as a guest, I feel.
0: I mean, I love talking to a podcaster whose pod I listen to. I'm like very into it i'm very into your producer whose name i fuck up in my head i want to call him like skull stormageddon
1: matt aka stormageddon yeah yeah yeah. it took me a while as well to yeah
0: i mean i feel like shut up evan is the perfect long long form pod and it's done in such a way you do such extensive research and there's so much respect given to the conversation that you are going to have with your guest. it I feel like it automatically puts them at ease it's like the inside the actor's studio of podcasts like the guest sits down in the chair and they know they have the you know James is there with like the stack of blue cards and they know that he has he respects them so not to say that I don't respect them, like, cause I like saunter in on a lens. And I'm like, what the guy's How's it going? but it's it it feels nice to listen to because it is always so well researched and done in a way that really supports the curiosity that you have for the people that you talk with I just I can't say enough good things about it I love it so much
1: well thank you I mean I think one of the nice things and and a difference I mean to your credit it's like you're pumping out so much content I have the fortune of only having to do 18 episodes a season so it allows Mm -hmm. for a lot more time to Mm -hmm. finesse so I, I, Mm I that's like one thing but I think one of the great things with season two and I hear this all the time on Andy's Girls because you have so many guests on your show who are fans of the podcast and as I move into like we're about to wrap season two in a couple of weeks and it's now great because I have guests on who, who listen to the pod and oh, know the that. kind of interview that I'm after so one of the great things especially towards like the latter half of this season was really feeling like I didn't have to dig as much because Mm -hmm. people kind of came ready with like a coming out story or a story they'd never shared Mm -hmm. before. So I think one of the joys, and I I imagine you feel this as well, it's like doing this as long as we've done it now Mm -hmm. starts to make it not only easier to do what we do, but our guests in turn help sometimes not always make our job easier.
0: I love that. And I feel like in both cases, like you want the person to look as good as they possibly can. Like this is not, neither of these shows are like the gotcha or whatever. It's really, it's, you're in an environment where if you disagree with someone that to me, that's almost the best case scenario. I would not want to be talking to somebody who's a, an actual mirror of what, whatever the garbage is. (laughs) seeing on any at any given day, and people know that that it's like a space where you can come in, have your thoughts and feelings, and have an actual discussion about it, and hopefully have a different kind of perspective.
1: Absolutely,
0: which I think is important. Um, if there was a housewife that you, I know I've asked you this before, and I feel like your answer when it came to a housewife that you would love to have on, shut up, Evan. Is it accurate to say that you once said, I'm literally thinking about this out loud, so much research inside my mind right now, you guys. Was it Tamara that you said that you would be interested? That's so
1: funny you say that because I forgot that I'd answered it before, but I was going through my mind just now thinking, and my answer was Tamara. Yeah, it would definitely be Tamara, which is funny because I don't really care much for Tamara or think about her often, (laughs) <laughs> but, but distance makes the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Tamara, from what I do know about her like post housewives life, is mm-hmm. someone that I think has a lot of gained perspective over mm-hmm. time. And I think that Tamara is a really smart cookie. And I think that there's a lot to discuss with her, sort of about being a part of the franchise before housewives was the cultural phenomenon seeing it through to becoming a cultural phenomenon and then in the case of her franchise watching it jump the shark i think she's had like so many like uh viewpoints of housewives existence so yeah tamara comes to mind bizarrely
0: i think it makes a lot of sense though and because she is aware of her performative nature exactly. in a way that a lot of the other housewives are not or uh, are unwilling to publicly state, she's at least someone who's like, yeah, I get it. And I'm also going to explain to you how I play the game because I feel like I invented that board. You yeah. know, I think that's, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that oftentimes I'm always like, oh my God, I want to interview like XYZ housewife Like for instance, I'm interviewing uh, Leah McSweeney coming up, not for Shut Up Evan, but for Paper Magazine. And that's, oh, that's an instance of like, I actually have a couple of things that I am really keen to talk to her about because I think she's someone... Uh, Uh, that I think has like a good perspective on housewives. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, a lot of like the real legends of housewives, I do not necessarily think make a good interview. And I think that there's a lot of distance between those two. So uh, there have been very few times I've watched a housewife be interviewed, maybe with the exception of like, I enjoyed Erica Jane on Bitch Sesh. Um, There's, yeah, there's been a couple of, uh, Sonia on Bitch Sesh, but Bitch Sesh was another one that I was like really delighted by learning, you know, new information about her but for the most part it's like you kind of know everything you know because of the show you know there's not much too much to mine too much more to
0: mine Yeah. When it comes to Tamra, do you think that she should come? Are you in a place where you're like, they need her? Are you in a place where it's just like dump it in the river and call it a day? Or how how are you thinking about Orange County these days, if at all?
1: Well, I'm not for the most part, but Mm -hmm. I would say I definitely want Tamra back. I definitely want Vicky back. I definitely want Heather DeBro back. I think that there are enough all-stars from... The past to pull from that I'm not I I used to have that mindset of like cancel OC um but
0: which Andy responded to you actually tweeted I know and like like, that started yeah
1: started (laughs) a whole (laughs) news cycle um but I think with a little bit of time, I've sort of reconsidered. And also, you know, I'm, I'm always – I think we've talked about this. I'm always re-watching old seasons of Housewives at any given time. Like, mm-hmm. right now, I'm on OC Season 9. I think it's, like, <gasps> Liz, Lizzie's first season.
0: So good. Really 8 good. 8 through 10, 8 through 11, maybe. Yeah, the even. beginning
1: of Shannon, like, a very different Shannon. But anyway, Ugh. I'm re-watching that, and I'm just, like, reminded of a different time. And I – have really had, like, changing feelings on Vicky in revisiting, you know, because I've watched OC again from the beginning. I mean, this started months and months ago. Anyway, all that to say, I think that there is still some – what is OC's an orange? Orange County, Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that there is still some juice in that orange. I I do.
0: I always, I, my instinct is to say that they're holding a lemon because I am not connected to Shannon Vador. Right, and I'm like, they're a multi fruit
1: house. Yeah, yeah multi fruit franchise. Yeah, but yes. okay. I did hear a rumor um, mm. that there is a returning wife uh, that is among that list that I just mentioned, and so I am hopeful Tamara. that no, really, yeah.
0: So it wasn't something Tamara caused. <laughs> well, <laughs> distributed. I distributed.
1: Hey, I mean, we've all seen the photos, and there's the rumors of the Bronwyns dating Fernanda, and what? Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, so, like, it's, okay. I would not be surprised if Tamara popped back up, but I'm saying the rumor that I have heard involves a certain housewife with a very, very, very large home.
0: Full-time?
1: That's, uh, actually, I was going to say that's what I heard, but I did not hear confirmation of full-time or friend. I just heard
0: back, back, back again. Because wasn't her departure from Orange County because she was allegedly offered friend of, and she was like, no, thank you. Same with Yolanda.
1: My conjecture, again, this is all rumor, and this is all it's I'm not connected fact. with anyone. Evan yeah. Ross Katz is being yes.
0: his future as a journalist. Exactly. On this, on this uh, I, I, synopsis. I
1: would conjecture with the reshuffling of the deck that the contracts might have changed in terms of like. Uh, you know, ability to be friend of versus full-time. Money might change. I just think that when a franchise is, I think this is a unique position for the franchise to be like in this dire of a situation that I think that, uh I just think anything's on the table in terms of how the show will recalibrate. But I think that if it were canceled, it would have been canceled already. Like they wouldn't have done this limbo thing. I think it would have mm-hmm. just been canceled. So I definitely think there's a restructure happening. And I'm hopeful because I don't think any, Franchise brings the energy that OC once brought, that Mm -hmm. it had a few bad seasons. But like so did Jersey, and Jersey bounced back. So I think that the old me, (laughs) the me of a couple months ago, uh, (laughs) would have been like, gut it, fry it, it's done. Um, But now I'm kind of like, I think there's a world in which this show comes back. I'm hopeful. I'd like to see OC back to form. And I'd like to see, god, I'm so gross. But I was going to say, I'd like to see Vicky back on television.
0: I'm just staring at you with shock because I have seen a lot of people say that and I'm like, absolutely not. Like, go fuck yourself. No, no, tell me
1: that. Tell me that.
0: But now I'm like, I feel maybe it's because it's a Monday morning, like new week, new perspective. It's not, I'm not against it. I want it to be a, I want it to be a good show. I think honestly, let's keep it 100. The reason I'm reticent about it is because I feel like, bringing back Vicky and Tamra support a narrative about keeping Kelly and I just want Kelly to go and that's why I'm honestly reticent I think that's why I'm reticent I have yes. a personal th- I have like a I wouldn't call it a vendetta I just have a personal stake in Kelly retiring and we're completely we're
1: aligned on that and I think that if you look at what happened god this is like there's so many wives now names are gonna uh, who left Dallas last season Leanna Leanne, Walken. yes. So Leanne is an instance of, like, you think the mighty can't fall, um, but the mighty can be chopped quickly. So I understand what you're saying, but I do think that there's a reality in which it's like, hey, we've done the Vicky Tamara v. Kelly thing, and we don't want to, like, re- that. that's part of the reason why things went haywire. I have to say, the reason why, after watching last night, was the Watch What Happens Live with all of the kids who, my God, for the most part, minus Avery, these kids are just such good good children and just watching Brianna's poise (laughs) watching Brianna's poise throughout the interview I was like Vicky there has to be a grain of a good person in there to raise a child or now adult with as much like Brianna is just a good human being. She's a even good yeah. Like, She's even like she was so diplomatic in her word choice. And I, I like the way that she spoke about the fact that like her mom misses the show, but she didn't make mm. it seem like her mom is sad without the show. Like she her yeah. word choice was so strong. And so that's like one of those instances I'm like, okay, like obviously bad people can birth good children. I'm not saying that's not the case, but like there's something there are redemptive qualities about Vicky. Whereas with Kelly, I don't see any.
0: Yeah, and Vicky was a single mom for a period of time before she married Don too and she left an abusive marriage from what I remember and this is like this is me like going back and her son is also wonderful. So, you have there is some sort of connection. I know it's like Hard to find it, but she is the parent. <laughs> did yeah, care that part, for yeah. These yeah. children, there has to be something, and it's like, well, did the show make her the person that we know of, who like lies about cancer, or is that just her? Or is that connected with her desperation for having this relationship and making it work? It's like Tom D'Agostino to the highest power. You know, it's there. I think it's a, a a medley of a lot of things, a combination of a lot of things, and there very well could. be an argument that you're making that I agree with maybe I guess yes I I guess I do that that she should come back
1: I also I think there's a gradation with regards to like the kind of fame that these women sort of hope to achieve and so you have ones like Melissa Gorga for instance who Hmm. I think Melissa Gorga very much wants to be famous I think Vicky wants to reap the rewards of fame. Like, I feel like Vicky is the kind of person that wants to go to a restaurant and walk in and have the matre D be like Vicky Gunnvollsen, right this way. I think that mm-hmm. is what Vicky cares about, mm-hmm. and not for nothing. I get that. I don't think Vicky wants to be on magazine covers. I don't think she wants to release music. The fact that she has stayed with Koto Insurance all of these years, like I think, and obviously, like she saw the show as a vehicle to sort of like promote a business. But it's a business that existed. Again, it's like I do not want to turn this into like Vicky Gunnvollsen Defense Hour. But all this to say, I'm just having second thoughts, and I'm coming around on Vicky.
0: Ugh. Well, I feel like she also was a smart business person for a period of time. I mean, until unfortunately, CancerGate, when she has this like life insurance company, she's lying about cancer, uh, and then she created that nonprofit charity, which was a vehicle to get people's email addresses to sell them more insurance from. Yeah. for I was about to say from Cut Fitness, but fine, whatever. From Cut Insurance, um, I, I she was very smart and with the ways that she was able to turn this thing that did not exist at all, not even a little into a a little bit of an empire over there in Orange County. I mean, she was smart in what she did. And I think she, as well as all of us, I would say took for granted that she would always have a place on the show and that, that didn't happen and i think she the her last appearance on the show was her on camera struggling with the fact that she was not paid the respect that she felt like she will always deserve right you know we saw that shine through
1: and part of me is like she was maybe not wrong like i mean like uh, yeah i mean like again it's it's obviously complicated but the other thing it's becoming the Vicky Defense Hour. The other thing I like about Vicky <laughs> is I feel like there are very few housewives because one of my issues right now across the board is that when a lot of the wives go on trips lately, they're not really bringing the energy for a trip. Um, I, I felt this way. The one that comes to mind is like last season of New York um, when that cast of five, our small, small, small cast, um, mm-hmm. and then like someone went to bed early and then someone was off in a huff and there were like three people sitting at dinner. And I was like, my God, like this is just so sad and I feel like one thing about Vicky is there's the trip that I watched recently I think it was season 8 I want to say and it was just Vicky, Tamara and Heather in Hawaii and mm. the amount of like turn up that just and, and mind you Heather wasn't even partying so it was really just Vicky and Tamara and their ability to just turn up on a show like this I think is really important and I know like Whoopi's like Whoopi. I know that Vicky's tried to brand whoop it up that's where the wolf came from <laughs> <laughs> um i know i know that the whoop it up came and like she tried to make it into a thing but it's like i think that there she did she does know how to whoop it up and i i just think there's something about a good time Gail, like vicky and and she's consistent and she's fun and don't get me wrong, do I like uh, her comments about uh, people at the beginning of COVID saying that this was overblown? And do I like the fact that her, her uh, that Aww. man that she's with, Steve Lodge, is a Blue Lives Matter guy? I mean, there's, there's so many aspects of Vicky that make me cringe, but it's that sort of cringe quality that there was a time that I, I, I expected that of my housewife. So, justice for Vicky?
0: You know what I? The idea of Steve Lodge being back on our TV screens is tough. The one thing Ugh. I would say about that is like, thank God at least that there's a relationship that Brianna. If Brianna's happy, I care more about Brianna's happiness than I do Vicky's. To Agreed. be honest, yeah. And if Brianna's and happy with, uh, true, amen. <laughs> if Brianna's happy, I'm happy, and I also think that like maybe Steve and Vicky don't really like each other, which does endear me to their love. Because then I feel like we're all on the same page here that this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean. They're just like waiting it out.
1: I mean, I'm reminded of the fact that like, I think it was Tamara that said this at one point or something, but it's like, Vicky can't be alone. So to me, it's mm-hmm. like Steve Lodge is more of just like a body to fill a void than he is mm-hmm. necessarily the love of her life. I mean, do I wish that her and Don would get back together? Yes, but part of me feels like, As someone who loves Dawn, I think maybe it's for the best for Dawn's mental health uh, that Dawn is not with Vicky. But anyway, I am wishing (laughs) the best for Brianna and Troy. And then isn't there another? There's a second kid.
0: Yeah, there's two more. She She has three sons. She just had a son fairly recently. Wow.
1: Love Brianna. You know, a good woman.
0: A good woman. How did the other – I haven't watched the special yet because, you know, I do this thing called the day after view. I don't like to watch things live. It actually, to be honest, brings me a little bit of anxiety. When I'm, like, (laughs) watching it live, I'm like, I just can't take this. I need to be able to – and I don't have DVR, guys. So when it's on, it's on. I have to pay attention. I don't want to pay attention, please. I want to just live my life with my Harney and Son cinnamon spice tea with a little steamed whatever on top and just, like, mosey on down the road. But, you know, for people, normal people who watch it live, nothing but respect. What was your experience with the rest of the kids and how the rest of the kids, P.S., were maybe coached by their moms on how to like hedge the bets with with, you know, should you return? Yeah,
1: I would say Gia was definitely an MVP. Um, Got to give it to her. I would say second to Brianna in terms of just like a child who we watched grow up who just turned out really with a, a great head on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like the most exciting get for me was Shane Keogh just because mm-hmm. I think any, I, I feel like these days there's like, Two sets, I mean, this is a little binary, but like two sets of Bravo heads, which is like mm-hmm. one who, like, they've been with us now for a few years and, like, their knowledge of, you know, for instance, their New York knowledge kind of like begins with the Dorinda, you know, like, that's sort of like where they go. Yeah. And then there are people that New sort of Testament. like, yeah, New exactly. Old. Yeah, or like people that it's like OC oh, and they're like, oh, Shannon. And I'm like, Shannon came like, you know, halfway through the game. My God. Like, you know, um, <laughs> So I feel as though Shane really represents like that early era of Housewives and especially of someone who like we before we knew that kids were a selling point and sort of solidifying your status on the show, Shane oh, Shane was so important. Shane and then God, the little brother, I can't remember his name because it's been that long, who I loved. He was such a little shit. Um, But anyway, Shane has really turned out great uh, and uh, is doing really great things, and I kind of liked watching them interact with one another. Fun to check in with the Manzo boys. Cairo Mm. looked great. Um, Mm. Love seeing Riley Burris, just because that's another example of like who a child that we've literally watched grow up through Mm -hmm. the years. You're reminded at times, like, how long this show has been on not and you know cuz the wives you know for better or for worse they often look the same throughout the years you know with mm-hmm. Ramona you get different hair lengths but you know or you have like you know aging backwards in the case of Ramona <laughs> so yeah. the kids really are our representation of time and uh, it was nice to see them i would have loved like 4 hours i think it was like one of those things that facilitated a long conversation and i hope that they can do more with this format because it's like the kids know the housewives in such a a way that can really endear us to them. So it's like, no, I don't want Jolie defending Kelly. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. But I do appreciate the opportunity to, like, hear someone like Brooks talk about the great Meredith Marks and, you know, show love. And I thought it was cute because it was Mother's Day. You know, I liked it.
0: Which is so sweet, and I also really like. Without having seen it, obviously, I really like that Brooks was there because I think that there were there were some there was some pushback online of people being like, "Why was he there?" And you know, his mom has only been on one season, but I felt like that was the point: is that you're looking at the potentially history of Housewives through kids whose moms are no longer on the show, and then you have someone who kind of represents the next chapter, and also an understanding that the kids play and should can play should play whatever a little bit of a vital role in unpacking and understanding their moms in a more holistic perspective where it's just, it's not just that you're like a nut job, you know, like you do actually, you are actually responsible for the growth of these formerly young people who've become seemingly very responsible adults, which, they deserve respect for, they deserve respect and praise for, especially when it's coming from someone that you would otherwise consider problematic.
1: Right. And I totally agree. And I've seen the tie turn and sort of the response to Brooks online. And I just have to say, I really like Brooks. I think he absolutely deserved to be there. And I think people are tough on Brooks because I think Brooks is more, Self-aware than he's given credit for. And I'll point to a little mm-hmm. moment yesterday that I really liked. It was um because they make people that do watch what happens live kind of like record IG stories now, promoting the fact that for their yes. followers. Like I'm gonna be on tonight at 10. And yes. Brooks did one and he was holding up the camera, and then all of a sudden Meredith appears in the background because she's washing um the dishes or washing her hands or whatnot. I mean, she hasn't washed dishes, she's washing her hands. And uh he like sort of tilts the camera up to show her and she goes, Oh, like, oh hi Brooksy, and then he kind of just says, Okay, enough. And then he like tilts the camera back. To him, and it's just in those moments like that where it's just like I appreciate he has this sort of like old school gay uh, bitchy sensibility that I I think people mm. I'm sure many people are put off to now, but I just kind of like it, and I think that it's not as ubiquitous as it once was. So therefore, I find it kind of endearing. Um, I get that he's not the flavor for everybody, but I think he's the flavor for me.
0: I really didn't understand. He got a lot of negative pushback. Yeah, that really. I was, I was honestly confused by just like keeping it hundred. I didn't, I didn't get it. I still don't get it. And I feel like if you feel that this person had too much of an edit, you should be talking to the editors and not the child.
1: I agree, and I feel like my sense was and I interviewed him early I would say like mid-season through Salt Lake City. I didn't Mm -hmm. get the sense of a person, again, it's like who was really hungry for fame. I think he definitely is hungry for the success of his brand. But I think people are as much as like we can and should joke about the Brooks Marks tracksuit. He is a 22 year old trying to make this brand that he cares a lot about. And is there a certain level of privilege that he has in the making of this brand without question, but like, okay. And what? Like you can have privilege and still work hard at something like a business. There's a difference between having the privilege and not working at all with it. And someone that takes that privilege and says, I'm going to work really hard to build something. Um, I think it's, again, it's like we should grade on a a varied scale in terms of there are people that start a business from nothing that have to work a whole lot harder. Don't get me wrong. But I think Brooks is like a 22-year-old who like got a degree, went to school, is making fashion, cares about fashion, cares about branding and packaging and all of these things. And I don't know. I think people are like are tough on him and it doesn't necessarily warrant it.
0: I mean, no disrespect, genuinely, but Dorinda had an IG store yesterday that was like, if for Mother's Day, all my products are 20% off. And her mugs are like $70,000. Like she, so just to say, if we're going to say something about the Brooks Marks collection, which, P.S., I am desperado for and would wear every day, literally every day of my life. There are housewives who could learn a thing or two about how to put out what's by all appearances, literally and figuratively, a, a, seems to be a really nice, high quality item. Right. You know? Yeah. And you know what? I think there's a lot
1: to be gleaned from his response last night when Andy asked about everything going on with Jen. And his response was mm-hmm. that he just feels feels for Jen's kids And obviously, I think that was like a planned response and blah, blah, blah. But still, I think that there's a world in which Brooks could really lean into the genshot drama and like get a lot of juice from that. What's the, what do they hold in Salt Lake City? Is it like a snowflake? Okay, he could get a lot of water from that snowflake. But I feel like he's just kind of, keeping to himself and not, he's using the show to garner attention on him and then directing that attention towards the brand, not towards the branding of Brooks Marks, the person, but towards Brooks Marks, the brand, the clothing brand. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But he debuted a new suit, (gasps) suit jacket, suit of some kind. Is it Um, black, white, and red? Yes. And uh, if podcasts could allow for visuals. My goodness. I just encourage anyone. I'm sure it lives on his Instagram. If not, it'll live there soon. Um, But yeah, there's a new suit dropping.
0: I mean, the whole thing with Brooks is you look at other franchises and the ways that moms are used on Housewives. I think of Dale. I think of Mama D. And people typically say, wow what great value this family member brings to this person's storyline and it's like well why can't kids bring that same value why do we have to critique that narrative when it's the child when we celebrate when it's the parent uh you know like how does that make that make sense um I do just need to very quickly look at Brooks's uh Instagram to see what this looks like and of course it's not on his personal but I understand that's how Kids are cool. Yeah, he doesn't have it on either. It'll be um, It'll
1: it's on if you go to Watch What Happens Live Twitter, because he wears it on the Watch What Happens Live appearance. So it'll be on any of the clips from Watch What Happens Live that he's on.
0: Wow, guys! Everybody, go Run, don't look walk. and check it out and buy six for me. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> listen, I do want to get your thoughts as we talk. We talked a little bit about Ramona's new faces, and New York has a a a look this season with. Five full-timers feel spiritually like three. I do want to get your thoughts on the premiere. I mean, you bring up the Leah of it all, someone who is aware of the show, and I think Ebony K. Williams is just as aware, plus potentially more self-aware about her entry Mm -hmm. and the value that she brings. She seems... To me, Ebony seems like someone who is genuinely ready and willing to participate without doing so in a way that feels performative from the place of, like, personal relationships. Like, I feel like when she's looking at Ramona and saying, are you, or or Sonia and being like, are you a real person? Like, what's happening here? I don't feel like that's a wink and a nudge for the camera. I feel like she... Kind of gets it. What was? What are your thoughts watching the reunion? Ebony's first episode. Feeling about the narrative overall. Tell me everything.
1: I feel I ha- so going into it. I had a lot of negativity swirling in my head just about sort mm. of like the downward spiral, like the slow and downward spiral of New York. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of in the last couple of days, kind of reconsidered and kind of decided. I feel a similar way about Drag Race, which is, and Drag Race and Real Housewives of New York are completely aligned uh, in terms of Drag Race just wrapped its 13th season and New York's on season 13, as Mm -hmm. most listeners know. And I feel like, I realized around season 10 of Drag Race that this show that I loved that was so foundational in my, you know, formative years. I not not my formative years, kind of post, but you know, yeah, yeah, we're always formative. In my formative years, this was this show was no longer the show that I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And But that it, ha- that it still could have value to others. And there were things that I could still like about it. But I would just have to sort of like dissolve my previous relationship with it. So that is to say, New York Housewives right now, it's not that it's a slog. It's not that it's boring. It's not that I don't like it. But my sensibility, the person who fell in love with like Roni, season two, season three. Mm. Kelly, I'm up here and you're down here. Cannon. That Cannon. quality of the show. Alex McCord, you're in high school, I'm in Brooklyn. Uh, everything Alex McCord. That quality of the show can no longer exist anymore. Because what Ebony brings in contrast to an Alex McCord, which is like the, the, the polar opposites of self-awareness, um, is not the sensibility that I look for in a show like The Real Housewives, right? I always prefer the Taylor Armstrongs, the Kim Richards, the Alex McCords, the Phaedra Parks. Like That's always the kind of wife that I'm going to favor. So do I think Ebony is a good addition to the show? Absolutely, with the caveat that it's a very different show than it once was, and that's kind of where I stand with it now. Which is that, like, do I stand Roni the way I once did? No, I think that ended for me when Carol left. I think, or even no, probably the season before, because the Carol Bethany was too dark sided for me. So I guess mm-hmm. maybe season nine mm-hmm. is where thing. The Tom is where the last hurrah for me. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. What about you? What did you What did you feel about the premiere?
0: I was it was one of those things where I was like fine with it in the sense that I don't feel like I had big expectations. And I also felt like it was, you know, hashtag um, uh, nature is healing because there is something about just selfishly being a New York City resident and seeing these women go bananas and walking by the Regency on a stroll every day and feeling like this is there are different kinds of chaotic energies that each of these franchises bring. And there is a certain kind of warm weather. (laughs) energy and vibe that i get from new york where i'm like i just needed this but that being said do i think this is going to be something i i i don't and i'm also slightly nervous about leah's you know the curse of the second season i'm slightly nervous about whatever's going to happen with leah and heather thompson because i don't think that that's going to bode well shall we say i can tell you a little something is I, mm, yes, please.
1: This is just for you and your audience, because this is just funny and I haven't told it So I had dinner with Carol uh, a couple weeks ago. It was, wait, hold on. I'm
0: giving a face.
1: It was the morning before the Colton Underwood stuff with Carol's. <laughs> oh, K- Arab, Arab so, Colton. So it was so funny because I woke up the next morning being like, oh my God, like I just had like dinner with the legend. And then like I log on to twitter.com and I'm like, no, I was home last night. I did not leave. I have not left my house at all. Um But I was out with a mutual friend of ours and he was like, he was like, Carol wants to come and grab, have a drink, blah, blah, blah. We called Dorinda on FaceTime from the dinner. So I was literally watching Dorinda and Carol interact over FaceTime. But the one tidbit, which I got, I think is, I don't think this is anything, birthly, but. So it's everything. So so Heather called, oh gosh. Okay, we'll just do it. This is not a big deal. Heather called, um, Uh, Carol from the car after the big incident that's going to play out with Leah which results in Leah throwing flowers at her apparently and basically what I guess was gleaned was that like Heather wanted to come back and was like ready to play and I think that she just and this is just what I picked up on from the conversation was that basically Leah was sort of playing at a different kind of uh, was trying to formulate a storyline that Heather was not I think Heather comes from the era of like everything was real or if it wasn't real, it was like Aviva levels of heightened that it was like reached a camp level. And Mm -hmm. I think with the, the Leah thing, I think that Heather was so caught off guard at this like sort of like formulated drama, but that wasn't like formulated drama that like had any element of comedy layered within it. Like again, like the Aviva leg thing, for instance, that I think at that point, uh, Heather was just out, and that there was no more filming. And so, I think whatever we're seeing about this, I think lawsuit or allegations of charges and whatnot that Heather has mentioned, I think is going to be regarding whatever flower incident we're going to see um, on the show. And I think that will be Heather's last hurrah. I don't know if it'll be similar to um, Atlanta. Uh. 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 uh who, who the who the uh, who just left the show and we're never seeing her again after Bolo?
0: Oh, Tanya. Tanya.
1: Tanya. My God.
0: See, it's like the fact that I can't remember her names now makes me so sad. She's so happy right now. I know. She's so happy.
1: Um, But I'm not sure if it's going to be like a Tanya situation in which it's we never hear from Heather ever again or if it'll be a matter of like back at the reunion. But I think that it's a bummer, but it's like my, my sense is that whatever – I think there was a world in which we would have gotten Heather's sixth wife. I'm not sure. That much I don't know. But I think that whatever happened with Leah uh, got dark-sided in a way that Heather was like, I'm not only leaving this dinner or whatever it was, she was like, I'm leaving for good.
0: Okay, couple (laughs) follow-ups. One, charges? You mentioned charges?
1: I, I thought I read that.
0: I thought I read that Heather went on a podcast, possibly her own, and said something along the lines of like, there was an assault, which I thought I didn't understand if that meant physically or spiritually. I was kind of leaning on the ladder. I think that's yeah. the
1: flowers. I think. Okay. And then, so then, with regards to charges, then I'm walking that back. I don't know that. So then maybe, I'm not sure. I'm really, I'm honestly, I, maybe I think that I... <laughs> I think that I read the word I think that I read that she said it was an assault and maybe my head jumped to will she will she pursue charges I'm not maybe sure maybe
0: heather's like been reading the secret and she just feels like I'm gonna put this out there and I'm gonna see what happens yeah is there a world in which Heather see it's tough because she, when she thinks her thinking that this became too dark which I could see happening that that clicks in my head is that related to the storyline of the karen of it all or is that just a general vibe that this felt off to her
1: I'm that that much I'm not sure of but I think what's interesting is like Heather's a really interesting wife to choose to bring back because she's like a little bit more niche you know what uh-huh. I mean in terms of uh-huh. like she's kind of like like I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way I remember when when I was listening to Bitch Sesh and they mentioned the fact that Heather was coming back and how, and they like didn't feel any kind of way about it. And I left Matt McConkie, because I think he was the guest on that episode, I left him a voice memo being like, Matt, you need to like defend the fact that like for gay people Heather means something more like we just we mm-hmm. she's mama like she's she like Heather is like gets in the mix you know what I mean mm-hmm, and even mm-hmm. if you see like I know you know like watch what happens live and they're gays that run the socials love Heather mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. they should and so I feel like Heather is just an odd choice to bring back in that it's different than your prototypical like oh we're bringing this iconic wife back because I'm not sure Heather Thompson's iconic like she's iconic to me me, but like she's iconic to me in the way that like, you know, a Christina Aguilera, like you know, no hate ad is like iconic to me. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, or like, yeah. So, uh, so I, I am interested to see if like they really thought that, that was going to be a rating, if it was going to impact ratings, if it was just going to be like old familiar face. I'm not sure, but it's again odd that it's like you would think Jill, like Jill has always been like the obvious bring back, but they went with Heather. And also they went with Heather at a time when she didn't necessarily, you would think you want to bring someone back like a Heather if a Carol was still around, if they still had like a person, then it makes total sense, right? It's like you bring on Kathy Hilton right now because you have Kyle to anchor her. So I'm not sure.
0: And you also bring on Kathy Hilton because, A, it's Kathy Hilton. And, B, she has other genuine relationships with the women in this group, including the new full-time housewife, Crystal. With Heather, I don't know who she has genuine relationships with. And the brand of Heather is that she's, like, a genuine person. Right. If she doesn't have Carol there. She doesn't have Dorinda there. Ugh. And she has Leah, who I could see veering easily into the Bethany vibe, which is something that Heather didn't want, of some of two women who are both alpha and passionate and maybe less interested in communicating at a mutually agreeable point, you know, like Heather's always going to bring a certain energy. I could see Leah pushing back on that and being disinterested in it because she felt like it doesn't vibe with her own or doesn't support her own arc or her own power. I, I don't know the world in which Heather lives. I also have to say regarding Jill, I mean, I was incredibly vocal about giving her an apple, especially right after Bobby died and right after Dennis passed, because I felt like there is going to never be a time in which Bethany is going to be as vulnerable and open to maybe you know, starting a new chapter or something where they're not going to come in and have it be a season of awk,
1: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: and that time passed. I don't know. I don't when it comes to returning Housewives on New York, I think the chemistry and the timing is really tricky. And I just don't know what to say about this season, except I don't think that Heather's it.
1: I don't think that Heather's it. I agree. And even if Heather was it, that's still bringing the number to six. And Mm -hmm. we need seven, if not eight, for this (laughs) franchise. I mean, everyone, I think, Pretty universally, correct me if you feel differently, season seven of Rony is kind of perceived by many to be peak Rony. and it's like we had eight women in the mix. You could go on the, uh, the trips in particular, and it's like you could have two groups of three and still have another group of two. Like, I just, I think that's one of the reasons why people like Atlanta so much. Even when Atlanta's having an off season, it's Mm -hmm. so great because there's such a robust character range. You know, the the cinematic universe of Atlanta is so robust. And in New York right now, you already have Sonia, who has no family members whatsoever, just the interns who aren't even consistent, right? It's like, it's not like Pickles is still around. Mm. You have Ramona and it's like, the last thing I want to see on my screen is Avery Singer. And then it's like, you get Lou, we don't really get her kids. Leah's just got the daughter and like the parents, which like, I'm sorry, Leah, the parents are not happening. She can keep trying. They're not happening. I just feel like it's just such a small universe that is within Roni right now on top of mm-hmm. the already small cast. But I just want to respond to one thing. I think that we are in a jill I have been messaging with a bunch of my friends lately because, do you follow Jill on Instagram?
0: I follow her. We used to DM. Not so much anymore. Whatever. (laughs) Yep, yep. yep.
1: Whatever has been going on, I think it started... It probably started like once she got her vaccine. Like, so a couple, maybe like a month or two ago. <laughs> and I just feel like Jill got re-energized. And wow, she is like.
0: There's Moderna energy. There's,
1: there's, there's an example I can provide. Because I thought this was like one of my favorites. It's when she got to Los Angeles. This was several weeks ago. And she got to her hotel at like midnight. And she was really fed up. Because like, it was a shitty hotel. And, and so it cost
0: she, $300. Yep. Aligned. You go, you go, you go, you go. No, you go. but I love it, you know?
1: But anyway, of course it, I just watching her get on there and bitch, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. You know, traveling across the country right now is a privilege. Travel in general is a privilege. Getting to stay in a hotel is a privilege. There was just, it, but I so appreciate that very old school Roni mentality of like, it remind, it's like, again, Lou, early Lou. It's like that idea of like, I expect a certain level of luxury. And when it's not met, that and, and this, this is Ramona too, to a T. I appreciate that sensibility so much because I feel like the show in its current form is like Ramona would do something-ish like that and then Leah would call it out in the confessional. I prefer it unchecked. You know, so I like the fact that in the Jillissance, as I call it, within the Jillissance, she can make these comments about the shitty hotel. And the solution is not someone in a talking head being like, Jill's crazy. The solution is that she packs up and takes it to the Beverly Hilton. Because that's what someone should do in that situation. So, like, I just, I really like the vibe of Jill right now. And I like the do not give a fuck aspect. Because I felt like the few friend of appearances we've gotten over the years, she's been very mild mannered. Which is fine, but it's like, I want whatever Jill is whatever Jill is currently, I was going to say whatever she's on, but I don't mean it in that. I, I don't mean like she's on I hear like, you. I mean like there the energy go. that she's on. Whatever she's on right now, like I want more of it. I like it. There's a fire in her and I want her just, I want her back on Roni. I feel it. Bring Kelly back with her. They're still friends. Her and Lou still have their friendship. That's what I'm here for.
0: Bring Kelly back.
1: Hello. And bring Kelly's TikToks over to Roni.
0: Bring the chaotic sensibility, the disruptor of it all, Kelly Kaloran ben Simone. And I know. You're saying that. Yes. That's interesting. And I've
1: said it before, but like Bravo needs to send a barge over to Australia and literally get the (laughs) McCord family on that barge and send it back and, you know, make Brooklyn relevant again vis-a-vis Alex McCord.
0: I don't think I can, the Alex McCord of it all, fascinating. I don't think I can walk with you on the Kelly journey. I just don't, I just think it's actually, I think it would be too much for me. I think she's like a, she's a curio to to borrow from Succession. Mm. Uh Lingolang, I just don't, I I think she's a collector's item and I just don't, I don't know that, I think that she's a wonderful, she's a wonderful memory. She is a moment, maybe not the moment, but she is a the moment. And God bless her for it. I don't know that she could come back. I don't know that she knows where she is on any given day. And I think that is the value that she brings is that like she does truly live in her own universe. People say things to her on social and she's always like, I love you so much. Isn't that so funny? People make like well thought out, constructive, whatever. And she's just in. She's in Kelly Land, Kelly which Land. is very good for her as a defensive strategy. I think it works well in her own operating software. I don't know how that would work in a group dynamic because I don't know that she is able to be present. I, don't, I think she has so many guards up, which may be based on relationship stuff, whatever's happened in her life. I think she's so outside of it. At least Jill can connect, you know. I, I don't know that there's anything there, you know. Oh, I totally know. know. And you're
1: right. I think the one thing that Kelly could bring is that Leah doesn't really have anyone to fight with in a fun way. Because Mm -hmm. it's like Leah toe-to-toe with Ramona will never be interesting to me just because they come from two different worlds. And Mm -hmm. it's like I would like to see Leah have someone you know, uh, I was going to borrow the cure down, someone up here with with mm-hmm. with, with Leah. I just feel like there's, um, I was going to say it's the age thing, but I don't think that that's really so much the case. Um, I mean, Leah is the outlier. Now that we have Ebony, we have somebody else, Leah's age, but I don't think Leah and Ebony are going to go at it. I think Leah is going to go out of her way to make sure she stays aligned with Ebony in every sense. And so I feel like there's just not enough... Disruption and part of what I loved going back to season four of Roni mm. was watching Alex and Jill try and like build this friendship, like that sort of like that aspect. And it's happened on other shows before. I mean, we had it with uh, Shannon and Vicky. You know, like once a friendship dissolves, <clears throat> how do we how do we get this back on the rails? Knowing that we are, um, you know, we are coworkers. We need mm-hmm. to exist together. I just don't think Roni has anybody that's kind of <clears throat> able to provide the energy. And last thing, uh, just Sonia. I'm done.
0: <gasps> really, you're saying that about Sonia, not Ramon, not Ramona. Um, no, I'm done with
1: both. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with both.
0: So tell me about the Sonia. Of is it because you just feel like
1: what are we doing just... here? <laughs> like, what are we doing here?
0: We're. Ha- I mean, it's. I don't know. Diamonds and Rosé if they're both on loan. You know, it's... I thought she's... the
1: coy moment in the pond with Ebony kind of told me everything about mm-hmm. how Cringe. Sonia cannot meet this moment. When I say I meet this moment, I don't I don't mean the racial reckoning happening in our country. I just mean like the bigger moment of like what Roni needs right now. It's just it's Sonia is not not with it and again like to retread this sort of like Sonia we're your dear friends and we haven't heard from you all year it's like how many times can we keep doing this plot with Sonia and I get that like defenders of Sonia will be like well that's the joy of Sonia is like you know you can't escape gray gardens and like I'd argue, like, maybe you can't escape it, but, like, I can, and, like, I will. So I just, I don't know. I really, I love the Sonya of season three, Um, and even season four. Like, she put pecking orders, like, she reestablished the importance of the pecking order. Um, But then everything just, it crumbled, and it stayed crumbled for far too long. And I just wish that Sonya had a real ally, because I feel like, Lou and Ramona are like her allies when cameras are up but it seems like that kind of falls out um, I don't know but I, I think we'll get Quincy this season
0: you mean this coming season or the, yeah. one, the current, the one that we're on the one that, that we're on season?
1: no the one that we're on
0: oh really yeah I have
1: no reason to think that besides the fact of like why make your Instagram public it just all seems like it's part of a a moment but they're gonna say for the second trailer oh
0: I mean, this is that... like again.
1: I don't know. I'm just like,
0: I don't see that at all. But I love that you do, and I would love to be wrong. I think that she's tiptoeing around the idea of possibly doing something one day, and the going public is the first mm-hmm. way to do that. That's the first step. That's an easier thing. That's an easier ask or an easier answer mm-hmm. than filming. Well, my I question don't know it's is tied to it, but I would love to be wrong
1: fair but my question is if if that's not the case and like you're right there's there's no reason to really to go with my maybe more I'm more like wishing it into existence but if that's that. not the case like what is Sonia's storyline this year
0: I mean COVID-19 meets century 21 <laughs> spiritual 2020 I don't I don't I don't know. Here's the honest truth. Evan Ross Katz is like, I just, I, I want her to be able to get paid honestly. Mm -hmm. And I just, it makes me like, I'm nervous. What will happen to her if she doesn't get a check in a way that's, Deeper to me than like the Dorinda cash flow, shall we say? I don't know what Sonia would do because she's always a Nigerian football team away from losing it all. Right. You know, like there will be another John Travolta film vehicle in which she thinks I'm going to make this gamble so that I can tell people I'm a boss. And then. I don't know that I love her instincts. Right. And I do, there is a part of me that just has a real affection for her. I do think she could be a friend of, I do think she could be a proper friend of, I don't see her turning that down by ego or anything else. I think that we could make a way to slide into her W-9s in a, you know, like a little 1099 little love, little XOXO. I, I just... There is a part of me. It might be and listen, we all we all have those people where we're like this may not make sense, but this is someone that I you know, I just I want us to support her. I want us to you know, so that she's not subletting like two floors of that townhouse. I want I want to make sure she has a place to stay.
1: I get that. I definitely get that. I think that one of the differences between Sonia and Lou Is I feel like we, not you, Sarah, and I, but we, like the collective Bravo audience, tend to really like Sonia the most when she's drinking. This was also the case Mm. with Dorinda. And in contrast, I feel like Lou has proven, especially like with the Tom storyline, for instance, that like, or even Lou's early seasons, it's that like our... I was going to say our love for Lou. I'm not sure love is the word. But like our fascination with Lou, maybe we should say. Mm-hmm. Our fascination is not necessarily due to drinking. Drinking brings out another shade of Lou um, that is certainly enjoyable to watch. But with Sonia, I worry that the thing that we, again, the collective like Rob audience likes most about her is Sonia drunk. And I feel like Sonia drunk is really not good for her mental
0: health. The counter I would say to that is – Josh flags Instagram live this weekend. Sonia came out to L.A. to stay with him. She has broken every appliance and multi-hundred-thousand-dollar vehicle. She has three times so far flooded the ceiling in their bathroom, and I don't see her sipping a single drop. Like, I think I saw a third of a glass of white wine sitting on the table at Tracy Tudor's when they broke into um, Tracy Tudor's house to play with her dogs. And it has been... Instagram excellence. I mean, so, like, I want, I, I just, I loved it. And she doesn't seem trip, tipsy. She just seems simple, simple.
1: So that, to me, then, is the key, right? So that it, it sounds like, I watched a little bit of this. I will clearly need to go back and revisit it in, Fool. in But this sounds to me like a Thelma and Louise situation. And it sounds yes. like what the show needs for Sonia, because they tried to build Ramonia, but the fact of the matter is Ramona and Sonia go, they ebb and flow, but more often they yeah. ebb. Like, they're not yes. as close as the show perceives them to be, and also there's always yes. been a little level of condescension from Ramona to Sonia, because it was like, because back in the day, Ramona had, had a Simon. Is that not Simon? <laughs> Ramona had, it's all these names. Mario. Mario. God, it's like I'm starting to feel a little old. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, back in the day, Ramona had Mario, and and Avery was on camera, so like we saw we saw her around, and Ramona just you know had this life, and it was Sonia always would be on the other side of Mario, like Sonia or uh, Ramona tried to sort of like traipse Sonia around like her younger sister, mm-hmm. and you know always like bringing up her drinking co- problem on camera, which like I don't think a friend would do, blah blah blah. Anyway, all this to say, I do think there's a world in which if Sonia had someone to get into, you know. All of these things with in a, on a sober level, I think that could be the redemptive quality. Unfortunately, no one currently on Rony is going to be, you know, functioning on that level. That's just not the cast they have right now.
0: And it's unfortunate because Sonia does say like she does give some digs to Ramona. She does have some passive aggressive moments and I love them and I want to hear more of them. And I wonder if Leah will bring some of that out in Sonia Mm. because Leah definitely appears to have a vested interest in holding Ramona accountable for some of the shit she said last season. Most ludicrously that Ramona donated platelets or whatever because she's trying to pretend that she had COVID at a timeline that doesn't make I, sense. Oh yeah. And Leah's like, that's literally not the truth. That's so I kind of enjoy that narrative to be honest, because I like watching Sonia as a participant and not the person being, I want to see Sonia do a little gang up. I don't want her to be the person ganged up on because I do think it gets a little dark um, aligned. So in that sense, I'm into it. We just need to find her a Josh Flag. I think is what we need. And I I agree that there's not one in the cast. I'm a little nervous about what Ebony has said on in Yada and on Watch What Happens, where she says that Sonia was not the friendliest. I'm a little nervous about how that's going to go. There but was, she also
1: said that in that same Watch What Happens live, she uh, Andy asked, "Who is your?" um not spiritual equivalent who, who is like your I don't oh, know
0: yeah yes like who is something.
1: who is as smart as you or something and yes, her and answer was Sonia. so I know what you're saying mm. there has been that but I do think there at least seems to be some respect I also like and this is the and I've always been of the mindset of like Real Housewives is 100% real and I do think it is. I, but I think that there are moments like the uh, Danielle pulling Margaret's hair situation, mm-hmm. and like the, I, like the, I would say the Aviva leg one is different. Aviva, mm-hmm. that's it's like that era is an outlier because like yes, it was scripted, it's scripted. Yes, it was planned, but it was planned in like the good way for me. <laughs> like planned, like this is th- if this is if it's going to be planned, plan it this way. But I do feel like there's a little bit with this season where they, because there's pressures on this show right now. They've lost three cast members, three big cast members. Mm -hmm. With you know, can't forget about Tinsley. And there's a lot of pressure for this show to be successful. Um, and they don't really have any natural built-in plot lines as they have going into so many other seasons, whether it be, you know, Lou, for instance, with the whole Tom and the divorce. And the, there's just was so much built in for such a long time. There's nothing really going on this season. Nobody has had anything... You know, thinking about Salt Lake City right now, it's like we go into season two with a built-in something. Same thing with this new season of Beverly Hills right now. It's like you have a thing. It happened last year with Potomac where it was like we Mm -hmm. know there's a thing. With New York right now, we don't have that thing to sort of cling on to. They built that around with Bolo, with Atlanta when we first saw the trailer. Mm -hmm. There's not a thing happening right now in New York, so I I guess I just worry that we're going to get a lot of formulaic sort of fights and like at the end of the day like Ramona being racist is like that's not surprising so if they're trying to present this sort of like this narrative of like Ebony is going to call out Ramona for her problematic ways which I think extend beyond just racism I think it's just there's classism there's so many aspects it's like at the end of the day it's like if you don't know this already about Ramona I find that weird
0: yeah, I think you're making so many valid points. And I think it's going to be just like a little bit of a mood shifter. A mood where shifter. You know, it's not going to I don't know what how this will how we will reflect on this season after this season. It may just be a season to get us to the next season, but it does not appear that they have a strategy of how that is going to be executed and what we will ultimately watch. Because if everybody was on board with Heather, except ultimately Heather, that's a problem. And if they told Dorinda they were going to put her on pause so she could work some stuff out, but she has absolutely refused to do any of that work and seems understandably, I guess, pissed about it. That's not going to be a route that they can take. So I don't know how to make this. I don't know how to make this into a thing. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense, I don't know what will happen after this season. Just looking to the future because there's so much in the air, uh, so much left in the air, and up in the air. And I would just say, as you said, that Five Housewives is, I don't know, at least too short.
1: Yeah, and there's no way Dorinda's coming back next year
0: because Dorinda doesn't want it to be that way because she hasn't rested or whatever the fuck they no, were it's trying just to that... tell her or it, she just doesn't have a place. She
1: doesn't have a place, it's that. It's like at the end of the day, her and Ramona do not have a relationship to this day I don't, and this is—I don't know. This, this is not facts. I'm speaking. This is just speculation. I, I don't think her and Lou have a relationship. Um, I think her and Leah are friendly in terms of like I think that they talk, but I don't think that they are like hanging out. and I don't, and even the level of friend that they are is not the kind of level that real good reality television makes. You know what I mean? It's like I think that they get along, and I think it's that simple. And I don't—I mean, I don't think her and Abby know each other, but I just don't think Dorinda has an organic connection to this group. In the way that she once did.
0: I mean, and the sad thing is she's not being used on New York this season, which we understand, but she is being used on Bethany's reality show in all the worst ways, which is an opportunity for someone to say, as Bethany has said, I'm essentially bigger than this show. And I don't, uh, meaning New York, and I don't like what this has turned into. So I'm going to do this other thing, which has none of the polish or humor or fun or stakes, or scripting just in a narrative sense that Housewives has. So what she has is a much lesser vehicle, which is a total awkward cringe watch. And for someone who considers herself a little bit of an accountability coach when it comes to holding people uh, accountable for what they say and how they behave, For her to kind of enable Dorinda as a little bit of a wink and a smile to coax New York viewers into watching this thing, which feels at best absurd, and what we're getting from Dorinda is like her voice on the phone or nodding or something, it feels like someone who's being truly misused, you know, this isn't helping Dorinda bring value to anything and I'm not saying that's Bethany's responsibility except to say that you know she knows it all she's mentioning whatever you know like whatever tagline you want to use of hers she's the person who knows better who created this thing and it's like okay well I don't know HBO Max is not giving you the respect that you've told us you deserve and dragging Dorinda into this feels weird to me.
1: Yeah, Bethany is evil. I think that. <laughs> my interpretation, I've only watched the first episode and I oh, found God. it entertaining. I will give it I w- I think I'll give it that. Um, I think with Bethany, she reminds me so much of like Thirst Trap Instagaze and the reason why I make that sort of distinction about her is that Bethany attracted a bunch of people to her, myself included, over the years mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of equality, right? A-quality, not equality. <laughs> <laughs> quality, And I think it's the same thing with these gay men on, on Instagram, with these thirst traps, which is like you see a hot body, you give them a follow, you double tap because you like looking at hot bodies. Mm-hmm. But then Bethany and these thirst traps – try to say, oh, now that I've got you in here, here's this other thing, right? In the case of Bethany, it began at first with Skinny Girl, and that worked out in her favor because we were like, oh, this is similar enough to the thing that we like about you, blah, blah, blah. And then we got, like, the deli meats. But then we got – and that's when things started to go off course, and now here we are where we are now. And to your point about this show – It's like all of the qualities that I love about Bethany, and they do exist. There are things about Bethany I absolutely love. They're not present on this show because Bethany Mm. doesn't want at all to be associated with the qualities of her that we like most. And it reminds me of these thirst trappers when they start to suddenly want to speak out about social justice or all of these other issues. And it's not to say that we the audience don't want to hear about social justice it's that you are not the person with for whom we want to be hearing this from and also you have not you have built your following on one thing and now you're trying to say hey i want you to love this other aspect of me and it's like well that's not what we came for and i think with bethany it's like it's admirable what she's doing she's she is hellbent on building this empire but because of the pushback she gives to like ever being associated with Housewives in her interviews around this show right now. She allows Mm -hmm. one question about Housewives, and she's very vague in her response. She is very keen to disassociate from the house that built her, and I think that makes her ultimately just, like, incredibly unlikable. Um, And someone said this, I believe it was Brendan or Dan on the Come Through Queen podcast, which was that on Housewives, Bethany was punching up because she was around all of these women like Ramona and with big shot with Bethany, which by the way, that name, my God, um, with that show, uh, it's just a whole bunch of punching down.
0: So not working.
1: Bring her back to Roni.
0: I I, I'm just nodding I agree with everything that you're saying and it does feel like it's a person who built so much success around her brand of personality and I think she still thinks that that's her brand but the personality that she's giving us is such a bad look that it's just it feels very sharp and mean and grating and people are comparing it to The Apprentice which I understand in the sense that she's using the same producer for that but the actual show itself is very, very cheap and very sloppy. And you don't, I don't know that you can say that about The Apprentice, which was much shinier, more polished, and in many ways scripted, which worked to its benefit. With Bethany, they're relying so much on her personality, but because she comes off and veers on the side of Manic, there's no counter to that or really understanding of why it is we are watching this person go into a th- go in a thousand different directions at once while convincing us that she is like bad boss bitch when it comes to her brand because if this show is an ex- an example of her brand I mean we're in a crisis
1: we're in a crisis
0: what we need
1: it's kind of like the trip that she took I think, was it to Haiti where she went with Dorinda? I
0: forget. She went to, I want to say that she went to Florida to speak with people about their work in Haiti and then was disagreeing with them about like, college scholarships Dorinda was rather yeah right. I don't think that they flew yeah, yeah yeah. okay
1: well I bring that up because that's an example of like Bethany at her best which is like she Bethany is in business mode mm-hmm. and life happens fast and all of a sudden she Bethany business person is dealing with a Bethany housewife situation in which you have a drunk co-star and cameras up and you're watching Bethany having to negotiate this really bizarre circumstance with Mm -hmm. as much dignity as she can muster. This show has no moments like that. She's just in business mode. And all this is not to say, I want to give her her flowers in the sense that, like, Bethany is an enormously successful person. Like, her Mm -hmm. story is quite inspiring and quite Mm -hmm. incredible, if you really know the details of it, which I think many people listening to this podcast will. But many people that are watching Big Shot with Bethany might not. And there is certainly an enigmatic quality of a person like Bethany and being so assured. Like, I love that aspect of Bethany, which is like, she doesn't second guess herself. She makes decisions. She's intimidating. Um, she's, I, I hear for many people, she's not nice, but I don't hear that Bethany is like mean in the way that like, with the stories coming out about someone like Scott Rudin, I think Bethany is like, would again fall into the category of like, a not nice person, but not a horrible person. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe someone's listening right now and being like, she threw a phone at me, but, um, I think that the show just lacks that sort of uh, the levels. You want the levels with Bethany. You want to watch Bethany meandering within the chaos of these other women. You know, I'm thinking about <laughs> when Dorinda fell at the table. No, Sonya fell. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. And it's like, again, like Bethany in mother mode, mm-hmm. but, but in reality TV. It's like you want to watch her operating on different levels because she's such a great juggler. And unfortunately, with this show, it's just business, business, business. And business, Bethany, is less interesting without the levels.
0: Well, and she's also, you know, Madame Be Real, and she's telling us it's all about business. But the people that are cast on this show were obviously cast because somebody somewhere made the mistake of thinking that these were interesting people to have on reality TV. And Bethany then uses the fact that this this is an obviously – poorly scripted, conceived vehicle of reality TV, which she holds against them, someone who monetized to great success her participation in reality TV is now judging these people for being on this show, which is an example of reality TV, saying, but they're not really interested in business, but neither is Bethany because they're using people who they thought would only bring value in the sense of reality TV. It turns out to me they were wrong on that, which Bethany is trying to use against them, but she's not giving them a route or understanding that this is anything more than a vehicle of reality TV. But all we're hearing is business, business, business. But you're not actually showing me that as you throw these people in these weird situations, which don't make sense because you don't have interesting characters involved. And also, I think
1: comparing her to, like, the Kardashians, there's an alignment within the Kardashian world, which is that, like, when you see them on Instagram on a trip to XYZ Place, you're eventually going to see that play out on the show. Whereas mm-hmm. with Bethany on Instagram, like, the social media persona of, like, Bethany making, you know, grilled cheese with Bryn, that Bethany is not at all present on the show. And I think that's for good reason. I think she very much wants that but it doesn't really work when we've grown up with you on reality television we sort of want everything to coalesce with one another and she's trying to like put this hard line in the sand saying that like the fun bethany that you know from Housewives or that you keep up with on Instagram, that's who I am at home, but I'm a boss in the workroom, in the boardroom or whatever. And it's like, I understand that, and I and I have no doubt that she is. That's the thing about this that's like funny is it's like, Bethany's not worth scoffing at when it comes to her business success. She is that successful. The mm-hmm. problem, I feel, is that Bethany is the first person to tell you how successful Bethany is. And that is ultimately a, a quite an unbecoming quality when it gets shoved down your throat as often as it does because of a vehicle like Big Shot with Bethany. And one other thing you mentioned, um, The Apprentice and everything, did you mention Mark Burnett?
0: Uh, I I referred to him. I didn't reference it by name, but yeah. Okay, so like Who's Mark Burnett, Trump's producer, and Bethany's yes. now as well.
1: Yes, and it's like you mentioned The Apprentice, and Mark Burnett's also the creator of Survivor, the best reality television show on the planet. And all this mm-hmm. to say, Mark Burnett know if anyone knows about production and also like making something look expensive that is cheap and mind you I don't even think this show is cheap but if it were cheap it's like it's ulti- it's it's extra bizarre that this show is so haphazard That's- being that like this is the mastermind of reality competition like the mastermind
0: which I'm so glad you said that because it's I think about it constantly while watching it it does not feel in any way like a Mark Burnett show and he no he's he produces a specific kind of show that feels at Like iconic. It it feels iconic. It feels like there's always brand excellence. You always know exactly what you're going to get, and that the show is bigger than the people involved. And Bethany is trying to create some sort of environment where that makes sense, except it doesn't because she's also trying to tell us that she is more important than all of this. And so it feels like they're at conflict just from a producer level, from a strategic level. There is a conflict and a chaos here that does not pay off for anyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, it makes me think about Survivor Season 1 in contrast to Big Mm. big Shock, Bethany, because it's like, you know Richard Hatch, you know Sue Hawk and the rat speech, Mm -hmm. you know Rudy Bosch, like you remember all these characters, and that's because of Mark Burnett's casting. So it's also really surprising that I think we can all agree that the casting for this first season just feels like an afterthought. Like these people, yep, yeah, I mean like besides Nicole Rosé and even Nicole Rosé is giving me a kind of perform. It's, it's like, give me the cast of Princesses Long Island. Like that's, I'm not craving Nicole Rosé. But, um, but all of this to say, it's like surprising coming from Mark Burnett, this king of casting that it's like, and I'm not even asking for like crazy reality personalities. I'm just this group of people. I don't think they knew who Bethany Frankel is. Um, And I'm not even sure that that necessarily would benefit them because I don't even understand what the job is. Because there are so many tentacles of this that, again, I want her back on Roni, and if she can't be back on Roni, then I
0: mean, she she wanted her own spinoff show again. She wanted a Bethany Ever After minus Jason, possibly with (laughs) Brynn. She wants Jason. I know, for real. Oh, let me call him up. <laughs> <We're> um, <back. laughs> Maybe co-parenting is a good idea. Um, she, she wanted it. She wanted it. Andy told her no. Andy told her you need to come back to New York first and we'll figure this out. Turns out they couldn't figure something out for her, so she left the network entirely for now. And she's trying to make a reality competition show work because I think she and Mark went to lunch, and he was like, "I really want to work with you," or she said, "I really want to work with you." And they just decided that she would be good at this because she's good at reality TV. But reality TV competition shows are very different from reality TV, exactly. and she ultimately wants to be the star. And you have to make a choice: Are you the host of this? Are you a character in this? Are you the star of this? I think think you want to be a character and a star, which means that reality competition is not ultimately for you because we are supposed to look at these people and want them to win. And I'm looking at these people and I'm like, for your best interest, I hope you lose.
1: That's such an important distinction that you make, the difference between reality television and reality competition, which brings me real quick. I did want to mention Housewives, quote unquote, all stars, because Ooh. in this conversation about Mark Burnett, so mm. just a little bit of historical context for those listening, Mark Burnett really is the person, I mean, I'm sure there are other people, but like Mark Burnett and, and his, his the people that surround him are really the ones responsible for the All-Stars format that we know that has become quite popular. Survivor did its first All-Stars in 2004 um, with the first seven seasons of the show. And when I, I think like many people, I was really excited about the prospect of Housewives All-Stars. We've heard the rumors for quite a long time. Do I think it was cast correctly? No, but nonetheless still excited. But, what I was really hoping for with an All-Stars Housewives was competitions, right? And like, I'm not saying it needed to be as like crazy as the Survivor competitions, but I thought one of the things that this opportunity could have afforded was like hometown pride, right? This idea that like, we're here representing New York, we're here representing Jersey. And like, they could be as dumb as like cornhole or what have you, or zip lining like they've done on some of the vacations. I don't even know. Or it could be, There are lots of different ways we could go with this, but I was really hoping that the All Stars format wouldn't just be women on a vacation. I wanted it to have a competition involved, some stakes involved. And I thought stakes both on the grill and stakes, just like actually high stakes. And I really wanted the possibility of like walking away from it being like each week, like a new city is eliminated. I just thought there are so many like fun ways we could have gone with this and made it like much bigger than just this one-off. And I wanted it to be less character-based and more city-based so that it wasn't as reliant on the women. Because one thing that's like, I think we're all trepidatious about is like the drama that this trip can, can will it bring, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I just wanted like a real all-stars like, going toe-to-toe like I wanted to see Vicky and Ramona like finally like square off in some kind of competition because you know that look on one of their faces when they would beat the other one like you know how competitive these women would get
0: oh you don't look convinced I don't look convinced. I feel like I'm not convinced, except it gives me an idea. I do like the idea of different people from different cities going on a trip. And there's reason that has been expressed of why certain franchises don't have representation here or there are different cast members because of filming, yada, yada, which is why you don't see Salt Lake City, you don't see Potomac, and why maybe there are different cast members from the remaining franchises present. That being said, I don't know that I die for this specific format to become a reality competition show, but I'm not against a reality competition show in a cheeky campy kind of way for housewives, Bravo labs, especially because we don't know what's going to happen with Bravo con. And so many people miss summer by Bravo commercials mm. and advertising that used to happen, which was bringing all these people together for the fake Twenty-second Bravo Olympics, and I'm not against that. And there was a show that aired in the '70s or the '80s, the name of which I forget. But Battle of the Network Reality, thank you. Which is uh, Battle of the Network Reality Stars. Yeah, I think. I I think you're right, which is a thing that's used um, that uh, Jason Bateman jokes about a lot on smart lists is like the lowest of the low is like when you are asked on this or decline it or participate in something. Yeah. yeah, And there is something to be said for some sort of limited cheeky series specific to that. I wouldn't do an either or I would say like, Mm. yes, please. This and this like that. And I. I do think that would make sense and I would extend it beyond Housewives. I think the problem that you get into when it's Housewives specific is because it is a very specific kind of world and universe. These women are not necessarily going to be interested in participating in that kind of thing. But if you throw in some Vanderpump rulers, some million-dollar listing, maybe, I don't know, Captain Lee is probably the only person who makes sense from Below Deck – then there is a uh, Shaws. Then there is a mm-hmm. vibe that one could explore similar to what happened during BravoCon when they did these panels where they brought in wild people from uh, different shows and not just Housewives franchises. It was fascinating and made it into competition like Jerry. Um, what's his face? jerry o'connell moderated something that was like a night event i don't even remember what it was but it was a competition and it was very funny because all of these people were like this is wild i maybe don't know you we're competing we're getting loud and they were having fun and you know bring in some summer house kids that could be interesting to me or even cut out the housewives maybe except for newer franchises and have it be these other shows i would love to explore that i just don't know that it I don't need to see that on an island. We could do that in LA. Fair. You know?
1: Fair. I think I just want some opportunity for, you know, they did that like bring back our wives night on Watch What Happens Live last week and Mm. seeing... Taylor in particular um, made me realize that, and and, and, I I mean, I think Phaedra is definitely coming back, but just seeing Phaedra, for instance, it made me realize that there is a crop of wives who I think we, the fans, genuinely miss who are not interested in being back on the show itself, but could be interested, Caroline Manzo comes to mind, but could be Mm. interested in doing something that was more of a one-off or, yeah, so I agree. It doesn't necessarily need to be, competition doesn't necessarily need to be on an island but I just think that there's more opportunity to bring the old wives back into the framework
0: um we've got a skidood, but do you want Phaedra back on Atlanta yeah
1: oh yeah I know a lot of people don't yeah
0: I know a lot of people do I keep seeing that yeah you don't right I don't. Yeah. I think it's and it's you know how I think it's not going to happen is because I do believe that Candy is more valuable to this. And she is going to bring up what happened to her as needed, mm-hmm. which she referenced on this reunion, which Portia pushes back. She's like, I thought we were over this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. But Candy will reference it. We will never get past the Phaedra that moment if Phaedra returns her entire season if Candy's there and it will be used against her even if she's not and my thing is like morally should we be able to you know i just That's don't a good know question. i think it's it's so dark and There was a moment on that watch what happens where Andy's like, what would you take back if you could take back something or whatever the question was? And Phaedra was like, I wouldn't take anything back because we all have lessons and it's all in good fun or whatever. And Andy just smiled and moved on. And I don't even think he remembered the reason that she was gone. And it was very awkward to me. And if that would be an example of what her return would look like. I don't know that I really want to rewrite history in that way. I don't know that that selective memory really works. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I understand that entirely. And that's, that is a a very good reasoning. I would say that I think if she were to come back and Candy were on the show, there would need to be an on-camera moment of acknowledging the past. And I mean, hopefully with an apology, but it would need to be, spoken about and moved on from um, consciously like from them in order mm-hmm. for the viewer mm-hmm. to sort of like move forward but I would say too and this is a different example but when Kim first came back to Atlanta we never thought I mean it, was, it seemed like Kim and Nene would never get things back on track and they got mm-hmm. things back on track I realize again the circumstance is different but I think that there's been enough time now where I could see some sort of reconciliation but ultimately at the end of the day it's Candy's reconciliation to make if she wants to so I feel like the show I feel we the only the we the viewers can only be really comfortable with Phaedra returning if we have the sign off from Candy because it's mm-hmm. ultimately Candy her family and and the people close to Candy who suffered as a result of this lie. Um, And her reputation, you know, no doubt took a hit in ways that we probably aren't even conscious of. Um, So yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I think we need permission from Candy. But the lover, I mean, all of that stuff aside, I just Mm -hmm. think Phaedra has a lot more story left to tell. But I heard that we're getting Sharae for sure. And then I'm not sure about Phaedra.
0: And I'm into charade and I'm I'm so glad that we're ending on this note because I do also think that it is ultimately Candy's choice and speaking of choices I am choosing to ask you aka demand that you come back ASAP because you know I'm obsessed with you and guys if you love this conversation you need to listen to Shut Up Evan because I will never tell you to shut up when you come on AJ.
1: You're so sweet. I want to thank you, not thank you, I want to congratulate you on the Roxanne Gay interview that I just finished on my run last week. I mean what a huge coup for the pod and I think it's really fun getting to hear an intellectual like Roxanne speak about it's almost like the way Roxanne approaches so much of her work is how I feel you approach Housewives and so it was like the meeting of these great minds in that moment but I thought it's a testament to the work that you do on this show with how seriously Roxanne took the conversation it wasn't as though she was like lowering herself to speak about Housewives I think one of the through lines through your conversation with her was the importance of uh, showing these women as their true selves and that that is uh, just as important as some of the other intellectual debates we have as a society there's much to glean about this world from our from our housewives.
0: Thank you. And I, I think that there's a lot of value that can be gained in these kinds of conversations, which is why I very much appreciate that. And which is why I think it's all about removing the idea of guilty pleasure. Let's just focus on... Um, the positives that can come from talking about complicated, sometimes negative women. I think that there's so much discussion and the importance is honestly, often at least through my lens as a, as a podcaster is like, what's the conversation that can come from this? There's so much value in talking about these women's experiences. And there isn't a wink, a wink, a laugh and a nod that we can give to the idea of housewives but there's also so many layers underneath so right. I'm so glad you enjoyed it and I cannot tell you the scream that I let out my um, neighbor who we have thin walls and she was like "Knock!" because I screamed at 1230 when I got the uh, yeah I'd love to come I was like yep this is great and this is a big one <laughs> this is a big one um, listen your conversations with me I, are always big in my heart I love you so much I, am I love so you thank you for you. having me back Tell the po- folks how to follow you, how to read the stuff and the whatnot, how to listen to the pod. Tell you us can, everything.
1: Yeah, you can follow me on socials at Evan Ross Cats. The podcast is wrapping up. It's second season. When, when does this episode come out that we're you and I are taping right now? Manana. Okay, so, oh, so then uh, there's an all-new Shut Up, Evan, when you're listening to this right now with Sunny Hostin, the co-host of The (gasps) View, three-time Emmy Award winner. And then we'll be closing out season two with Zachary Quinto two weeks later. And then you can check out my debut novel in March 2022. Uh, Pre-sale will happen soonish, but I'm writing a book about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So that's where I am in this world.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so excited for all of that. I am extremely excited for tomorrow. I <sighs> me think too. we it's all deserve one. that Sunny conversation. I, can... <laughs> when I, do I, like, I say, cannot. I will say,
1: I did try and ask about Bethany because, you know, Sunny and yes, Bethany, I don't know if people know, Hamptons. but they have like, yeah, they yeah, have an me. ongoing feud, um, but that was on the Do Not Ask list. Oh, my God. I think, honestly, yeah. my takeaway, because Sunny was such an open book. Sorry, real quick. But my takeaway was that she just didn't want to speak to it because anytime that she does, it's going to make the news cycle because people love this Sunny v. Bethany thing. So I think it's less that she doesn't – I don't think it's like a do not ask because she doesn't want to be asked about it. I think it's just like she doesn't want the headlines again because it involves her kids. And I just think it's one of those things where it's like – She wants to let it go, but I think she understands why people like me and you would want to hear her go off on Bethany. And she does cast shade on Bethany on Twitter from time to time.
0: And guys, if you want to hear, just Google it. It's about it was a Hamptons noise situation. It's very funny. It was also just a single moment, from what I remember, that I could read about and, and hear about until the end of time. But I understand why she would want to move on. Um, guys, speaking of moving on, give me your money. Patreon.com/slash/AndysGirls. Slide into my uh, Venmo, all but get free episodes is how that system works. And if you go to Patreon.com/slash/AndysGirls, you get exclusive bonus eps uh, for as little. Um, supporting the pod as little as two dollars a month and you can even co-host on a patreon exclusive episode patreon.com slash andy's girls instagram at dame galley evan ross cats i die for you i love you forever this was i was like we're just gonna talk for a minute and (laughs) um i promise you that's what happened don't look at your clock
1: it was my pleasure i would do it anytime
0: um, die for you guys. Hope you're staying safe and sane. If you can, please access the Vax and you know the aging catalog while you're at it. And guys, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.